0: Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now let's go to this week's message. Well, good morning, Father's House. It's great to see you today. We're great to see the online church. Thank you. We have people watching from a lot of different places. You know, a couple weeks ago we said, hey, we got some people from Calgary watching. And so they were in the service today and said, that was us from Calgary. So we're just thankful to God for the opportunity. Father's House, would you welcome the online church that are worshiping with us today? Yeah. Yeah. Looks so great to see you. Wow. Anita and I have been gone for a few weeks. Uh, We were on our summer sabbatical. You know, after 52 years in ministry, you deserve at least a month's sabbatical, I think. Some people retired twice in 52 years. But anyway, it was great. We got to spend time at the cabin with our daughters and some of our grandkids. That was fun. And then we went from there and fulfilled one of our bucket lists. And that was to go to Sturgis. And uh, it turned out to be a very uh, historical uh, uh, time for us because we were able to spend um, time with uh, Jeff and Trish on his last week uh, here on the planet Earth. Some of you may not know, but Jeff Pospisil, who's been part of the Father's House for about 15 or 16 years, one of our board members, dear friend, he graduated on to be with the Lord. Jeff had uh, been... dealing with a lot of uh, physical issues and things and uh, so uh, uh, this week he went on to be with the Lord and we'll let you know when we know more about what's going on and uh, so we just continue to pray for Trish during this time. Um, So I just want to talk to you today a little bit about that of, of, of something the Lord spoke to me. Three nights ago, really struggling with this because I was I was really kind of disappointed. Anybody ever been disappointed in life? I was kind of disappointed that, that Jeff, you know, he's younger than me, 68, and uh, went to be with the Lord, and so a little disappointed. And so about three nights ago, uh, the Lord began to unfold some things to me, and I want to share those with you today. It might be of a comfort to you as it was a comfort for me. So if you have your bible <clears throat> turn to John chapter 11 and I want to pray Father thank you today wow what great worship lord thank you for all of our worship team for all of our volunteers that are serving everywhere the 10 people that are in growth track today lord we just we just give you glory we thank you for two services that have been fairly full people are hungry for you new people lord for what you're doing people that gave their heart to you now lord as i come to this time today I pray, Holy Spirit, you'll help me to unfold what you began to speak to me three nights ago, and uh, help me to do it in such a way that it would help all of us in whatever area that we're facing uh, disappointment. In your name, amen. I'm sure all of us can remember a time when paralyzing darkness of disappointment came into our life. You heard a story, you heard news that just like all the blood rushed from your face and, uh, and from, it felt nauseous in your stomach and you felt like you'd been hit in the face with something you wasn't expecting. Disappointment. Disappointment happens to all of us. It catches us. And so it was with us. We, uh, we spent time with Jeff and Trish and Sturgis doing what we love to do, ride motorcycles and eat. I mean, those are two great things. But I knew Jeff wasn't well because I could see in his eye. And on a couple of the days we were riding, he cut it short. And, you know, Jeff's got an iron butt and he never cut it short. So I knew he wasn't really feeling all that well. So we left from there and uh, went to Oklahoma City where I preached last Sunday. And we left Oklahoma City to head back here. And we got a call from Trish that they had rushed Jeff to the uh, intensive care unit in Atlanta so we drove 850 miles nonstop uh, in 18 hours to get to the hospital to pray for Jeff. Went into, into went to the ICU unit, saw him laying there, and uh, laid my hand on him, started to pray. Because I've been building up the whole time there. I believe that God's going to heal him, raise him up, heal this uh, issue, all these physical issues, and you know, give him some great years yet. And I laid my hand on him, and I'd never shared this with anybody until I shared it in the previous service, not to my wife, to uh, Trish, to anyone. But when I laid my hand on him to pray for him, as I've been in the ICU unit a lot of times, just so clearly and peacefully, I heard the Lord say, not this time. Not this time. So I walked out of there disappointed. And I didn't understand. You know, we all face those times. But really, <clears throat> we all have disappointments. But it's not, it's not that disappointments don't come to us, but it's how do you respond to disappointments? I read the true story of a guy by the name of Neil Melly. He went to the L.A. airport in Los Angeles to get a ticket to go to Australia. And his credit card wouldn't pay it. And so he got really upset, disappointed, and most of us would just gone home and fussed. I can't believe, you know, I didn't, I wanted to go to, I wanted to go. Not him. Hours later, he showed back up at the airport, took off all of his clothes, and buck naked. He jumped, he climbed up over the fence at the airport through three barbed wire strands at the top, came down on the tarmac, ran towards the Australian plane getting ready to take off, and jumped in the wheel well of that 747. Now, the lady there who was the spokesman for the airport, Nancy Castle, said he could have been sucked up by the engine, crushed by the landing gear when it retracted, and probably, if he stayed in there, he would have been frozen to death on the 15 and a half hour flight at 30,000 feet in the air. Well, they stopped the pilot, they coaxed the guy out, and they gave him official charge of trespassing. Well, that's one way to handle your disappointment, but I hope nobody wants to handle your disappointment that way. Max Lucado, when we talk about disappointment, Max Lucado once said, disappointment reminds us What we hoped would happen didn't. Now, if I ask you today, has there ever been a time in your life that you hoped for something, you really hoped for it, you really wished for it, you really prayed for it, and it didn't happen? Then you know what I'm talking about when I talk about disappointment. Maybe for some of you, it's like you're sitting here today and you think, yeah, it's like with my kids I raised my kids right. I took them to church. I did everything I could. I provided for them. But today, they're living their life on their own. They're far away from God, and and I'm, I'm just so disappointed. I mean, just I had so much hopes for them. Or maybe you say, you know what? I, by now, thought I would be married, and I'm not married. I didn't plan on being single for the rest of my life. This is really not what I wanted. Or maybe you are married and you look at your marriage and you say, this is not what I hope for. We're, we're not at peace. It seems like we're not in love each other. And on top of that, your husband didn't even sign up for the all-you-need love conference this Friday night and Saturday morning. The loser. Wow. And so you're saying, you know, this is, this is not the marriage that I hope for. And I'm so disappointed. Or maybe that disappointment is, you know, I prayed for someone to be healed or I've been praying for healing for myself and it hasn't happened. In fact, I, I, I almost feel physically worse. I'm, I'm disappointed. Or maybe, as I experienced this week, you pray as you were praying for someone who we love very much, Jeff. And I walked out of there disappointed, knowing that he wasn't going to come out of this. But there's that peace, too. You think that, well, I know he's going to go to heaven. And there's no more difficulties and no more struggle. But it doesn't take away from the disappointment, does it? Some of you are struggling today with disappointment. And you're saying, you know, why do I feel like this? Why do I feel... And then, and then to, to top the matters off... Then about the time that you're really suffering with disappointment, you run across one of those people like in your life group or somewhere else, and I mean, you're ready to pour your heart out because you're really disappointed, and they're the kind of person that they're always praying for a parking spot real close. And so in the life group, when you're about to pour your heart out, they say, yeah, this week, I prayed for a parking spot in Walmart, and I got right up close. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. You're thinking, that didn't help me much. Or then you turn your TV on, you hear one of those miracle stories about, yeah, I went into the hospital, and there people were sick, and I went in to pray for my one friend, and I prayed for him, and lo and behold, when I prayed for him, the glory of the Lord came out of that room, healed everybody on that floor of the hospital, and they all sent them home, everybody on that floor, and then it hit the news media, and the entire town bowed their knee before God, and revival hit that little town, and you think, but what about me? Yeah, we hear those stories, don't we? How do we respond? Well, many of us, we start blaming ourselves. What did I do wrong? Why didn't I see this happen? What could I have done? How could I have changed this? And then sometimes it's not only that, but then we, we look around and we say, well, it's their fault. And we want to point fingers and blame someone. And then, let's just be honest. Some of us get to the place when we face disappointment that we blame God. And you know what? The Lord knew that. And so he told us a story. He let us have a story in the Bible that will comfort us. And you know what? God doesn't get mad at you when you say, <clears throat> why God? Why would you let this happen? Why did you take Jeff before his time? <clears throat> Why did you do that for somebody else? So look with me in John chapter 11. Listen, if there's one thing I want to say to you today, it's this, and you might want to write this down. Disappointment will either propel you forward or it will derail you and stall you, and you spend all your time looking to the past instead of looking to the future. Disappointment and how you handle disappointment today will either propel you towards what God has for you or it'll derail you. You'll be stalled. Many people spend the rest of their life stalled at the point of disappointment. But I'm here to tell you today that disappointment comes to all of us, but God wants to move us not backwards, but he wants to move us forward. John chapter 11. Can I read a lot of verses today? Is that okay? Follow along with me in John chapter 11 or on the Sky Bible. You can see it today. John chapter 11. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and his sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sisters sent to him, to Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he jumped on the local donkey and rode as fast as he could to to Lazarus' side. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death. Read it with me. But for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two days more in that place where he was. Now, I looked at verse 17. So when Jesus came, as was four days later, he found that Lazarus had already been put in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort and concern them. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Just a side note, I look at that and I think all of us experience disappointment in different ways. Here we see Martha runs to Jesus. I mean, she's the extrovert, right, in this. And then Mary, she just wants to be alone. She doesn't want to be around people. She doesn't want to do I mean, she's surrounded by the mourners, but she is there. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, read it out loud with me. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, you could have stopped this. But I love the rest of the part. But even now, I know, read it with me. Whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said, hey, your brother will rise. She said, I know he's going to rise in the resurrection. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection, the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe? Yes, Lord, I believe. You are Christ, the Son of God, who has come into this world. So when she had said these things, she went away and secretly called Mary, her sister, and said, the teacher would like you. He's calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose and quickly came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but he was in a place where Martha had met him. Then the Jews who were with her, were with Mary in the house, comforting her, saw her get up and walk out, and so they went with her. Then Mary came, verse 32, where Jesus was and saw him. She fell down at his feet. And said to him, read it with me, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then she began weeping. And Jesus, seeing her weeping and the Jews that were weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. Why? Because Jesus knew that death was not ordained of God. Death was the result of sin in this world. And it, groan, it grieved him when he looked to see what death was going to do. Jesus said, where have you put him? They said, Lord, come and see. The shortest verse in the Bible, verse 35, read it with me. Jesus wept. You know what that literally means? The little Greek there is Jesus began to shed tears. He began to shed tears. And the Jews said, oh, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind have also kept this man from dying? Is Jesus who he said he is or not? He could have stopped this. Then Jesus, groaning in himself, again, that that inward struggle came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take the stone away. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said, Lord, behold, there is a stench. The literal translation there is, Lord, it's P-U, stinks. No, just kidding. Didn't say that. And he said, did not I say to you that if you would believe, you'd see the glory of God? Let's say glory of God. Glory of God. Let's say, I, I want to see the glory of God. Then he, they took the stone away from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. You see, he's already prayed the prayer about this. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said to this, that they may believe that you sent me. And then he said these things. He cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. I heard an old country preacher once. He said he had to say Lazarus because if he didn't, and he'd say, come forth, everybody in that graveyard, everybody around there would have walked out. And he who died came out band, hand and foot, in grave clothes, which would weigh about 77 pounds. And his face was wrapped with a cloth, and Jesus said, loose him and let him go. This passage deals with disappointment. The other night, the Lord just really began speaking. He said, look at this. Look deep into this. Look, she says in verse 3, Lord, the one you love is very sick. I I thought it was very interesting. She doesn't say, Jesus, come and heal him. She doesn't say, Jesus, speak the word. She just says, Jesus, the one you love is sick. In other words, the the little Greek word there is without strength. Lazarus is without strength. She doesn't tell God what to do. But they just have the confidence, like you and I, that when you pray for something, it's going to happen the way we want it to happen, right? And so, the first day, they're waiting Let's see, how long would it take Jesus to come from where he is? Okay, let's calculate that so we're watching. He's going to show up at any moment. Jesus is going to be here. He's going to stop this. He, he, he's going to intervene in this, and, and Lazarus is going to be healed. That day comes and goes, and Jesus didn't show up. The next day, I believe they're looking and saying, you know what? We, we sent the message, right? Yeah, he got the message, right? Yeah, he, he did. And, and it's right. So it's good. So is, is that him? Do I hear him? Oh, no, that's just the mailman. He's bringing mail third day. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm believing that Jesus can answer this prayer. I'm waiting. I'm believing just like some of you right here. You've been at that point where you're waiting and waiting and waiting. You're wondering why God hasn't answered the prayer the way you wanted to pray. And and so they're waiting. And then on the fourth day, Jesus shows up late, right? No, Jesus never shows up late, but he shows up right on time to bring the greatest glory to God and the greatest glory to him, and to work everything out the way that he wants it to be. That's hard for us to understand sometimes. And, and so she says, Lord, if you'd have been here sooner, hear her disappointment, it didn't turn out. And I, I wonder if, if in her mind, I don't think she did this, but can't you just see her putting her hand on her hip? Jesus, I can't understand this. We have been faithful. Our house has been open to you for years. I've fed you more lasagna dinners than anybody around, and I've done all of this, and I would think, you know, if you really loved us, you would have shown up and you would have taken care of this, right? No, we, we don't read that. But we all think that at times, don't we? Lord, I've really prayed an honest prayer about this. Lord, I've done everything I can. And Lord, let me remind you Of the people in the church that serve you half, uh, you know that word, halfway. And it just seems like everything's going their way. Everything's wonderful and here I am. Why, Lord? Why haven't you answered my prayer? Jesus, and and I, I read this. And I don't understand. Some people ask questions about, why does God do that? Well, look, I'm not God. And he said, my ways are not your ways, right? So I can't answer him. I just trust him. I mean, wouldn't you think that if Jesus was going to, in his mind, he's thinking, okay, I'm going to show up late for them so that I can bring the greatest glory. So when the messenger leaves, why couldn't Jesus have said, tell the ladies, I'll be there in a few days But it's going to be okay. But he says nothing. Nothing. So for three days, absolute silence. Sometimes we're asking God why. And God doesn't answer. Why? Because he's bringing us to a place that we're willing to trust him. Even though he doesn't show up the way that we think that he shows up. So when I began to look at this the other night and, and since then just sort of praying about this, now I'm, I'm talking about in a believer's life. If you're not a Christ follower, then you can't claim these promises that I am talking about right now. But you can change that today by surrendering your heart to the Lord. But if you're a Christ follower, a genuine Christ follower, you're doing the best you can to follow him. I want to give you some principles out of this passage that we need to learn. Number one, here it is. These are going to be long, but you, you can get them and I'll review some of them. Number one, God has a purpose for allowing the disappointments in your life. God has a purpose for allowing the disappointments in your life. God has a purpose, say purpose, Purpose. for allowing the disappointments in your life. Look, when you pray and God doesn't seem to answer your prayer, you've got to know that he's got something better in mind. Say better. He's got something better in mind. Look, how many of you believe that God can prevent or change any circumstance That he wants to. Do you believe that? But we know that many times he doesn't, right? He says to his disciples, verse 18, he said, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad what you're getting ready to witness. Because you see, in a few days he would be crucified. In a few days they would be on their own. And their faith would be tested. He said, I want you. I'm glad you're here, and this is all going to happen so that you can move from just a fundamental understanding of faith to a life-giving faith. Number one, God has a purpose for allowing disappointments in our life. We may not really understand them until we get to heaven, but he has a purpose for the disappointment that you're facing today. Number two, God is more interested in our spiritual growth than keeping us from disappointment. God is more interested in our spiritual growth and keeping us from disappointment because God sees from an eternal purpose. Martha and Mary and the disciples were getting ready for their faith to be tested. They had a fundamental faith, but they needed a life-changing faith. Let me ask you a question. You can say yes to these if you believe it. Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe He's the Messiah? Do you believe He's virgin-born? Bor- Do you believe that salvation by grace is the only way? Do you believe that Jesus answers prayer? Do you believe he's coming back again? Do you believe he intercedes for you in prayer? Do you believe in the resurrection? Do you believe in heaven? Now, those are faith fundamentals, right? We've got those down. We've got them down. And then all of a sudden, D-Day. Disappointment. So, what's our reaction? Oh, God, where are you? Help me. And then there's the battle in our mind between faith and reason. We try to reason everything. Why, how did this happen? How could this have changed? What could we have done different? The battle, Martha says, Jesus, he's been dead for four days. He stinks. But then her faith says, Whatever you say, there it is. See, some of you need to ease up on yourself a little bit. Because you're saying, I should be better at this. I I should have handled this in in a better way. But we we battle with reason and faith. Faith just simply say, Lord, whatever you say, I know it's going to be all right. So number one, God has a purpose for allowing the disappointments in your life. Number two, God is more interested in our spiritual growth and keeping us from disappointment. And number three, your disappointment is not an indication that God doesn't love you. Your disappointment is not an indication that God doesn't love you. Look at your neighbor and say, God loves you. God loves you, period, exclamation mark, not question mark. Love is not something God does. Love is who God is. For God is love. He's love. So we often look when disappointment comes our way. What did I do? What did I do that God can't love me the way that, that he used to love me? No, listen. We say, God, if you really love me, why would you allow this to happen? If you love someone, you always want the best for them right? You always want the best for them, to provide the best for them. So as a believer, do we always experience God's best? No. Why? Because we don't surrender to His best. See, God's choice of what is best may not be your choice. There may be loss, separation, and even death. And disappointment comes and says, he doesn't love me because he's allowed this to happen. Those of you who discipline your children, you don't don't discipline them because you dislike them. You discipline them because you love them. And those of you that are parents that say things like this before you discipline, you know, we used to paddle kids. I don't know where that is anymore in the thing, but some of you anyway. You've heard parents say, this hurts me more than it hurts you. I mean, like, isn't that the biggest lie you ever heard in your entire freaking life? I mean, think about that. Hurts me more than this. I, I, I love you, and because I love you, we're going to, look, could we just love less and just let me get by with this? His nature is love. It's not that you did something to cause him not to love you anymore. You'll never stop him from, lo- not, from not loving you. So, number one, God is the purpose for allowing the disappointment in your life. Number two, God is more interested in your spiritual growth and keeping you from disappointment. And number three, your disappointment is not an indication that God doesn't love you. And number four, faith that God is in control, say in control, faith that God is in control will enable us to endure everything disappointing in our life. That's a long one. Let me say it again. Faith that God is in control will enable us to endure everything disappointing in life. As a Christ follower, if we can't believe that God is in control of circumstances, then we might as well say we're like on a life vest, life raft, out in the middle of the ocean, tossed about the waves, and God doesn't see where we are. I'm a firm believer. I don't understand this. I can explain it. Now, listen, I know that we have free will. So that means that if you walk out here this afternoon and you step on the road out there in front of a semi-tractor trailer truck, in all probability, you're going to be smashed, right? You say, oh, but yeah, but God, God's in control. He can stop that truck. You know, the rebellion of our life. And just stupidity and walking out of those things brings consequences. But here's what I believe. Overall, anything that happens in my life, if I'm doing my best to serve him, not living in, in rebellion. People live in rebellion. They, a little bit of the world, a little bit of Jesus, but I'm going to say the words that I'm all sold out to him. You're not sold out to him. You're saying, God, I trust you, but yet you're trusting in something else. But when we come to the place that we're just simply saying, I'm trusting you, Lord. And difficulties come to our life. I don't believe it comes to our life until it crosses his desk and he says, I'll get glory out of this. It may be painful, but I'll get glory out of this. Years ago, when I went through divorce, my ex-wife left. I worked at putting my marriage back together for nine months, and five years later, she left again. And when the denomination told me, said, because of the failure of your marriage, not because you've, you've done anything, but because of the failure of your marriage, we're going to have to let you go. You no longer have a place in this denomination. Friend of mine, great old mentor, D.H. Queener. Uh, by now, Jeff's already met Queener up there. Queener gave me a motorcycle once with a sidecar. Old Suzuki. Boy, that was a bummer of a motorcycle, too. <laughs> Lee and Jeff are probably talking up there. But I never remember when I was, I, I, I always remember when I was pouring my heart out to him and saying, why did this happen to me? I've done everything I could. I was a virgin before I got married. It's the first woman that I've ever known. I've given everything I know. I've sold out to this. Why, 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 would, why would God let this happen? And he said, ah, Terry, I don't know. I ain't God. But I know this, and he pointed his finger. God will never let anything come into your life that hasn't passed in the desk in front of him. And he says, Terry can handle that. That didn't make sense. But I know now looking in the past exactly what he was saying. So I'm saying to you today, God has a lot more confidence in you than you have in yourself when you surrender your mind to him. Number one, God has purpose for allowing the disappointments in our life. Number two, God is more interested in our spiritual growth than keeping us from disappointment. Number three, your disappointment is not an indication that God doesn't love you. Number four, faith that God is in control will enable will enable us to endure everything disappointing in life. And number five, peace will prevail in circumstances when we learn to trust God. Yeah. I mean, there are times in our life that, that we know. I mean, we can, we, can, we can pray about something and we can know this is not what we want, but yet in the midst of all the anxiety, in the midst of all the pain, there's that feeling that simply says, I can't explain this to you, but I just have a peace that this is going right, to come out all right. How many of you, by raising your hand, and say, yeah, I've been there. At that place that I didn't know the answer, but I just had this feeling that it's going to be all right. And it's just like that. What's that old song? Peace, peace, wonderful peace. Coming down from the Father above. What's it thing? Sweep over my spirit. there's some things that you're facing right now and you don't know how it's going to turn out. But you just have a peace. Just have a peace that this is going to work. And number six, the last one. Number one, God has a purpose for allowing the disappointments in your life. Number two, God is more interested in our spiritual growth and keeping us from disappointment. Number three, your disappointment is not an indication that God doesn't love you. Number four, faith that God is in control will enable us to endure everything disappointing in life. Number five, peace will prevail in circumstances when we learn to trust God. And number six, with God, a waiting season. Say waiting With God a waiting system, season is never a wasted season. In verse 4, when he heard the news that Lazarus was lack of strength, sick, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. In other words, here's what Jesus was saying. Let me read this to you. I know, I know what's going on, but I'm still in complete control. And when you get to the end of the story, you're not only going to see that there was a purpose in this, but you're going to see that me, that Jesus, is glorified through this very thing that's happened in your life. You see, the resurrection is not an event, it's a person. Jesus says with me death is no longer the final say death is not the end of the game you see Jesus said when I died for your sins and you put your faith in me though your physical body dies you don't die you just move from this place to be at the place I've often thought about that Tim what was it like what was it like that moment at 6.05 p.m. when Jeff stepped from that intensive care unit and no more things hanging out of him, but he's now in the presence of the Lord, and he hears the words of the Lord, well done, thou good and faithful servant. How awesome is that? I'm not going to die. If you hear that I died? No, I just changed places. Because now that I've invited Christ into my heart and into my life, I have invited the resurrection into my life, and He's a person. Listen, think about it. If God only met your expectations, He would never have a chance to exceed your expectations. They wanted a healing. Jesus wanted a resurrection. Yes. Listen to this. And I believe this with all my heart. If we respond rightly, you're going to wake up and realize one day that the scene of your greatest disappointment became the setting for God's greatest miracle. I don't know who you are, but there's someone that are here, here today or you're watching online <laughs> that Jesus wanted me to tell you this, that what you're wanting that what you're praying about is not as good as what he has planned for you maybe you're in a relationship and you think i just this this is the person i want to marry this is the person i want to marry i want to marry them and they're not a christ follower but yet i want to marry them and they'll, they'll give their hearts to the lord later they they will i, I want to marry him lord please this is the person But then fast forward three years later, when you didn't marry that hymn, but you married an upgraded hymn that Jesus gave you. And you look back and you say, oh, thank you, Jesus, that I didn't marry the first hymn, but I married this one, because he's an upgrade. He's something awesome. Maybe you're praying for a job. This is a job. I know, I know this is a job that I'm supposed to have. This is the one. I'm supposed to have this job. This is the one right now. I want this job, this job, this job. And maybe you don't get that job. But then you keep on holding on to the Lord, and he gives you another job. And then nine months later, that job you wanted, they're downsizing and laying people off. How many times have we pestered God and pestered God and pestered God? for what we wanted and then he says okay if that's what you want go ahead, that's where some of you are you're in a relationship you're in a job, you're in a business, you're in a place where it was not God's best for you but you just said I- I'm going to settle for this I- I- I'm, I'm going to take this just because you don't see it doesn't mean God is not about to do something awesome in your life would you pray with me Father, I pray for you today. I pray for you, every person that's here in this building and the people that are online. God, I pray that your spirit would reveal your goodness to them today. Lord, that we could sense the reality of the truth that with you, waiting seasons are not wasted seasons. You're teaching us. You're training us to trust. You're doing something in us. And so today, Lord, we just simply say we trust you even though we don't understand. We press into you. We depend upon you, Lord. Yep, we pray for miracles. We don't quit praying for miracles. We pray for healing. We pray for restoration. We pray forgiveness. We pray for financial provision. We pray for jobs, and we pray for miracles. As you keep praying right now, there's some of you that are here that are in the building or are watching online. And you say to me, Terry, my life is horrible right now. And I know you've been talking about what happens when a person is a Christ follower, but I've never, I've never become a Christ follower. And, and my life is my life's not going too well right now. I feel like it's in the tank. I believe sometimes God allows things in our life to bring us to the place that we're so far down. The only way we can do is look up. And I believe it's a time for some of you that are here today and watching online. It's a time to look up and to say, yes to Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I know it doesn't make sense, but let me tell you about a God who makes, doesn't make sense. A God who doesn't make sense loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to die for your sins. Not his sins, but your sins. So that he could call you to him. And he could be the resurrection of the life. So that anyone who calls upon him could be saved. And your sins could be completely forgiven. You have a hope for heaven. Here in this house today, and those of you that are watching online, the Holy Spirit is touching your heart right now. And you say, this is my day. Yes, this is my day to say yes to Jesus. I need to say yes to Jesus. Would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me and say, that's me today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Others today. That's me. That's me today. I need to say yes to Jesus. Surrendering my life or rededicating my life to Him. Those of you watching online, that's my day today. It's me. It's me. It's me. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I need Him today. Would you pray this prayer with me? Let's pray this prayer together. Father God, thank you for sending your Son Jesus to die for my sins. I'm a sinner in need of a savior I invite you into my life I don't understand everything but I know you died for my sins and that you rose on the third day so that I could have forgiveness of sin so as best as I know how I want to serve you all the days of my life fill me with your spirit in Jesus name Amen As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to help you continue that journey. To find out what your next steps are in your relationship with Jesus, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com forward slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and make disciples.